This Marketplace podcast is supported by Invest Puerto Rico. Build the future in paradise. Puerto Rico, a hub for innovators brimming with world-class talent and a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem. Learn more at investpr.org backslash marketplace today. Hey everybody, I'm Kai Rizdal. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. Friday the 14th of April is the date of this podcast. Indeed, and I am Kimberly Adams. Thank you for joining us for our happy hour, Economics on Tap, known around here. We've got our drinks, uh, the news fix. We're going to take a quick break and then play a game of half full, half empty. And uh, before we dive into the news, Kai, what are you drinking? Well, I'm kind of a loser today. I'm having a cup of coffee in my Puabic pottery mug from Detroit uh, because we've got tickets to a show tonight, and I simply will not make it. I woke up stupid earlier this morning. I mean, <laughs> stupider earlier than I usually wake up, and I just I won't make it if I have beer at three thirty in the afternoon. So, so what? You did know. you wake up at like three instead of four? I woke up at three forty-two this morning. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I was you just are, up, and so I got out of bed. Strong and, you know, soul. I, 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 I went on about my day, but I'm going to have to power through because it's a three-hour show tonight. We're going to see The Revival of 1776 with a new cast at the Amundsen. Ooh, it's supposed to be pretty okay. good. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. saw the, Angels in America last Saturday, oh. and that was also quite a lengthy, lengthy yeah, uh, show. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, so, what, what about yes. you? I saw, I saw you pouring wine earlier. You're going for a glass of wine today? Yes. I am pouring wine. My cousin brought me this bottle of um, – it's actually – so I like the Seven Deadly Zins, uh, Zinfandel, but this mm-hmm. is a Seven Deadly Cab, which is one I have not nice. had before. But I'm sure it's going to be as, delicious. Does, does not roll as trippingly off the tongue, but, you know, whatever. Mm, that's true, uh, but it does other nice things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, what's your news? What's your news? You go. I uh, got two of them today, kind of all over the place. Really cool piece in popular science about... Ghana being Mm -hmm. the very first country to approve the new malaria vaccine that uh, was designed um, by Oxford. And, you know, this is one of the leading causes of child death, like globally, but particularly in Africa. And uh, according to this article, malaria kills over a thousand children every day. And now there's a vaccine for it. And this has been a big initiative by a lot of philanthropic organizations over the year years to come up with some sort mm-hmm. of solution for malaria. And so the vaccine reportedly has an efficacy rate of like 77%. And it's more effective than the previous malaria vaccine, which was like 30 to 60%. And it also says in this piece that late stage testing is underway in Burkina Faso, Kenya, Mali, and Tanzania. So hmm. I think that's, that's very cool. exciting and good news. Not uh, so good news coming out of my beautiful home state of Missouri, which is not being so kind to our libraries. There is a rule that's been introduced by the Secretary of State that would block funding for libraries if they allow minors to access books that are deemed to be pornographic or labeled obscene under state statutes, which on its face sounds fine, but... When it gets to sort of who gets to decide and what happens when you run into a lot of identity things. So uh, the St. Louis Mm -hmm. Post-Dispatch reports, under the plan, Missouri's 160 local public libraries 
will have to adopt policies on the age appropriateness of literature. The original rule allowed anyone to be able to challenge access to books. A revised version says only a parent of a minor can challenge access. Hmm. Obviously, the library associations think this is a terrible idea. There have been all these public comments against it. It seems that this rule has been kind of pushed through without as much public debate as there should have been. So, uh, yeah. That's as, as is often ha- happening. Of, oftentimes these days, you hear about things being pushed through without as much debate as there should be. That's just mm-hmm. a generalized observation, you know? Yeah. Definitely yeah. seems that way. Uh, okay. I've got two, one of which is wild, the other one which is also wild, but in a totally different way. From Politico today, a story, the first paragraph of which reads as this. The official in charge of a secretive Pentagon effort to investigate unexplained aerial incursions has co-authored an academic paper that presents an out-of-this-world theory. Recent objects could actually be alien probes from a mothership. Sent to study Earth. In a draft paper dated March the 7th, Sean Kirkpatrick, head of the Pentagon's all-domain anomaly resolution office, and Harvard professor Avi Loeb teamed up to write that the objects, which appear to defy all physics, could, quote, be probes from an extraterrestrial parent craft. Number one, that's amazingly cool. Number two, Mm -hmm. it's remarkable that a senior Pentagon official is talking about this openly. And number three, oh my God, sweet meteor of death. They're coming for us. I mean, right? I mean, come on. Maybe they'll have a solution to our gun problem. (laughs) Maybe they will. Maybe they will. Take it from literally anywhere at this point. But but look, so the paper explains that the interstellar objects, such as the cigar-shaped Oumuamua that scientists spotted flying through the galaxy in 2017, quote, could potentially be a parent craft that releases many small probes during a close passage to Earth. I mean, we see movies about this stuff. It's craziness. It's wild. Also super cool. We're the, anyway. We're the only ones out here. It'd be a waste of we're, space. We're, that's right. We are We are so not the only ones out there. You simply can't be. Exactly. Uh, number two, speaking of space and people in not space, but small, small letter S space. Um, story in the Wall Street Journal uh, today uh, pointing out that um, the United Nations figures that just about now, demographers say, India could be passing China to be the world's most populous country. India's population is expected to reach 1.429 billion by the end of the year. China will fall to second place with 1.426 billion people. That's extraordinary for a whole lot of reasons, right? Balance of power, Mm -hmm. economic power, pop culture power, you name it. Here's the thing that struck me in this, and I realize as a history geek, this appeals to me more than anybody else probably, but Mm -hmm. China has been the most populous country in the world since 1750. 300 years. What was it before that? And now, I don't know. I don't know. We can probably look that up. Maybe like Russia or something. Yeah, somewhere. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so that's just cool. And it's a story in the Wall Street Journal and we'll put it on the show page because it's really interesting. Also, China is going to top out, they figure, at one, sorry, India is going to top out, they figure, at 1.7 billion people in the year 2063. That's a lot of people. Yeah. But look, but here's what this means, right? This means that the, the geopolitical center of gravity, right? If you, if you figure uh, the United States and most of the West will, you know, certainly not rise as fast and may even stagnate a bit, right? The, the geopolitical locus shifts now to the global South. It shifts to South Asia, mm-hmm. right? And those countries become all the more important in the global dialogue. It's really interesting and, and really significant. And there's a PhD yeah, there's thesis so many, to be written. 
That's what I was just thinking. There's so many interesting threads of that to explore in mm-hmm. terms of mm-hmm. what it means to right. be that that player on the right. global stage. You know, right. no, and totally right. It, it'll also be fascinating given the system of government that China has versus the system of government, which is technically a democracy in India. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and for so long there's been this like narrative that. You know, China maintains its position of power and controls this massive population with, you know, its form of authoritarian government. And that's the only way you can do it. And India is not that. No, no, no. Yeah. So anyway, fascinating. Cool. Okie dokie. That does it for the news fix. We are going to take a break. And when we come back from said break, we're going to play a round of half full, half empty. Half Full, Half Empty is the name of the game. We go through some news topics from the week. We tell you how we are feeling about them. It is hosted by our very own Drew Jostad. Drew, you may begin. Are you half full or half empty on the rise of pickleball? (laughs) (sighs) Yes, deep side. I'm a little afraid to answer this question. Um, I know a lot of people who are very passionately in favor of pickleball. Uh So... Uh I'm just going to say half full for my own safety. <laughs> there, there you go. That's fair. Look, I'm, I'm half full because whatever gets people exercising, I think, is a good thing. But uh, as I think I talked about in the interview uh, on Marketplace when this thing ran like 10 days ago or something, whatever, people feel really strongly about pickleball, especially in my yes, tiny little do. town in the Los Angeles foothills. People don't. It's not a subject for polite conversation. It is you're with us or you're against us. Uh, and so I am, I am half full. I am half full. I don't know if anybody in my little I, town listens to this podcast, but if you do, please don't hate me. I feel like the pickleball versus the tennis player fights mm-hmm. is similar to here in D.C. There are all of these childless people with dogs who want to let their dogs roam free in like the parks and the playgrounds yep. where yep. kids are. And the people with children are like, don't let your dogs go to the bathroom where our kids are playing. And the people with dogs are like, we pay taxes too. And our fur babies are our children. And it it gets, it gets nasty. It gets nasty. It absolutely gets nasty. Yeah. All right. What is next? Half full or half empty on Substack notes. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So this is like the version of Twitter for Substack, right? Mm-hmm. Have you checked it out? I have not. I never really got into Substack. I've been trying to do more on Mastodon um, mm-hmm. and be a bit more present there because Twitter is effectively useless for me now. I can't find anything. And yep. it's I spend all of my time sorting through like the trolly exactly. and spammy posts. Um, I'm all for experimentation by lots of different platforms. I'm a little bummed that there doesn't seem to be a global town hall anymore, although I guess I shouldn't say Mm -hmm. that because it was never a truly global town hall. It was a town hall for some. Um, I don't think we're going to be able to recreate that sense of discovery that Twitter used to be, and I just need to, like, accept that. So I'm going to go half full 
all for experimentation on all the different platforms and for people finding their online communities that make them feel a sense of community. And um, sure, why not? Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. I haven't checked out Substack Notes yet. I haven't really messed around too much on Mastodon or Poster or what's the other one? Spr- Sprouter? Sp- uh, whatever. There's a bunch of them. But Twitter is no longer useful. And and yeah. I could justify the time suck nature of it, right? Because you get lost. You're scrolling through your Twitter feed, provided I got some benefit out of it, and I don't really get anything out of it anymore. So, yeah. Yeah. I I look at it to see if anybody's, like, DM'd me. But, again, it's usually spam. Right. And that's it. Yeah, huge, huge, right, well, huge amounts different. of spam now in my DMs. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Same. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so the milk industry has a new campaign targeting Generation Z. Are you half full or half empty on milk core? So, so this was this was an interview I did yesterday with Kim Severson from the New York Times, who wrote a big piece on Big Milk's new advertising campaign to get Gen Z, which really has not uh, uh, indulged in milk at all. They do other kinds of dairy. They do yogurt and they do cheese and stuff, but they don't drink fluid fluid milk. It's called liquid milk. Fluid milk. I forget. Anyway. Um, yeah, look, I, 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 as I said on the show, I, I enjoy a glass of milk with some chocolate chip cookies. Otherwise, meh, you know, I'm half full. Go to town, but I don't think it's going to work. Just Sorry, one more statistical thing. Milk use in this economy peaked in 1945. It's been declining ever since, so I don't think it's going to come back. Yeah, and I mean, as I think one of the articles about this pointed out, which I missed, but Ellen uh, Rolf has helpfully pointed it out to me, is that, you know, Younger generations are more diverse, and there's a mm-hmm. big chunk yep. of us that are lactose intolerant, yep. <laughs> including yep. myself. And um, so, no, not not super interested in the yep. consequences of me drinking a glass of milk, and I doubt anybody around me is either. So, pass. Totally fair. Yep. <laughs> pass. Anyway, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Are, are, are you? Sorry. Are you? Are you done? Kim, Kimberly, Kimberly I'm thirteen yourself, years that? old. <laughs> I did. Okay, go ahead. Given Tupperware's struggles, are you half full or half empty on the future of direct selling? Huh. Huh. I was really surprised by the story that Tupperware is like basically on its last legs and not sure if they can keep their business going. Because it just feels like such a bastion of Americana, you know, like Mm -hmm. this is just part of the American identity is like your little Tupperware containers. And who's that person who has a nice Tupperware containers and who's the person who takes a Tupperware container and doesn't return it? Or like which Tupperware (laughs) containers you can put in the microwave and which ones you can't and who you're willing to like take your good Tupperware over to because you know they'll actually clean it properly and give it back. Versus who you give your already burned <laughs> you, you, and stained Tupperware, Tupperware to. Tupperware issues, my friend. This is a very long <laughs> list of specific grievances about Tupperware. But please, go on. Because there are some people who, like, if you're going over to their house, you will bring your nice Tupperware or Tupperware-esque containers yep. because you know that they will wash them very nicely and give them back. But then there's other people who you're like, I may never see this again. <laughs> or if names I do. Damn names. Kimberly, come on. I call them out. Not. I will not. And you might, you know, the... You know, bring the dish in the Tupperware. It's a little bit stained. It might have some of those little bubbles from me putting in the microwave too long. But anyway, and get all that plastic leaching in there if you have don't have the fancy glass ones. 
<laughs> I got I got nothing to add. We're just we're gonna let that we're gonna let that rant by Kimberly Adams stand as the make me smart position on Tupperware. <laughs> that was a doozy. Direct selling, uh, half empty. I don't think it's it's yeah. it's a sustainable model in our current economy. Yeah, totally, I agree with that. Oh my lord, that was pretty funny. <laughs> All right, half full or half empty on cat curfews. I don't know what those are. Oh, I saw this story. Of course I did, because I'm a cat person. Of course. I guess it's in Australia, right, Drew? Yeah. Okay. In Australia, I guess, because cats are like nature's apex predator, uh, and feral cats and also house cats running wild, they decimate songbirds and all sorts of other native species. In Australia, and in a lot of communities, they're trying to convince people to keep their cats indoors or not to let them out without leashes so that they can, you know, save their native animal population. And um, if you have ever tried to put a cat on a leash, you (sighs) will understand, unless it has been trained to be on a leash. And um, remember the little kitten I was babysitting, Mm -hmm. kitten sitting a while Mm -hmm. back, Yuki? Yuki Mm -hmm. is trained to be on a leash now. Yuki is giant now, by the way. And Yuki walks on a leash. Jasper does Mm -hmm. not walk on a leash. Most of the cats I've ever encountered do not love the leash. Um, But yeah, it's not an easy thing to do. So... For this generation of cats, I'm going to say half uh, empty (laughs) and maybe future cats, possibly. Fair enough. I'll go with that one, too. Whatever Kimberly said goes. Do you not have cats at all? So, you know, what's funny is I grew up as a cat person. We had cats in the house when I was growing up. uh, And then I went Mm -hmm. to college and got married and yada, yada. And probably when the big boys were like... Eight or nine, we got a dog, and I'm a hard convert to dogs. Hard mm. convert. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. I dogs. left home for college and, and my other adventures afterwards, my dad encouraged me to get cats because I was not always staying in the nicest of places in my various mm. travels mm-hmm. throughout the New York and D.C. and the world and various places and you can really keep your rodent and insect problem under control if you have a cat. <laughs> that that and took so a turn. Like, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> oh really? You didn't know that's where it was going? No. Yeah. He was didn't, just like, yeah. If, that you, coming. if you're gonna be living in these not so nice places, get a cat. That will that will help. That's and it funny. did. Sensible dad. It did. Sensible dad. Yeah. Yeah. Man. All right, that is it for us today. We are going to be back next week. For those of us who missed us on the live stream, we will have today's podcast posted on YouTube as a video, yes, later on and before you start your weekend. We would appreciate your help with our efforts to win a Webby Award in the business category. We are now in second place for the Best Business Podcast, and you can help us win by going to marketplace.org slash MMS. We'll also include a link in our show notes. And as always, we would really appreciate your support. Make Me Smart, which is the podcast you're listening to, is produced by Courtney Bergsicker. Today's episode was engineered by Jake Cherry. Drew Jostad wrote the theme music to Half Full, Half Empty. Antonio Barreras is our intern. The team behind our Friday game is Mel Rosenberg, Emily McCune, and Antoinette Brock. Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcast. And Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital and on demand.
perfect timing. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts.